We're going to look into God's word this morning. We have been talking about a particular topic last week, and we will continue with that. Thank you, brother. Anybody remember what is it that we were talking about? Do this in remembrance of me, praise the Lord. That's what we were talking about. Do this in remembrance of me. And we read from Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Somebody be kind enough to read it out for us. In the same way. That's good. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. Release grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of God's word effective. In Jesus' name, every resistance to the preaching of God's word. Every critical spirit, we bind them in Jesus' name. We take victory here in this house. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue with part two of the title, Do This in Remembrance of Me. Praise the Lord. I will be careful not to repeat what was repeated last week. I didn't say I will not repeat. I said I will be careful. There are some things that ought to be repeated, and those things will be repeated. Praise the Lord. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, saying, this is my body which is being broken for you. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. Praise the Lord. Do this. Jesus did not say ponder about it. Jesus did not say talk about it. Jesus did not say have a discussion about it. But the command was very clear. Do this, praise God. Do this. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what Jesus said. Remember. Remember what? Remember who? What is there to remember? Remember that this is a unique memorial. This is a memorial that moves unlike the memorial that you and I are used to seeing. This is a very unique memorial. Jesus didn't ask for a monument to be built on his name. Jesus did not ask a holiday to be established in his name, in his memory, but rather he took Two common ingredients of the meal then. The bread and the wine. And he said, whenever you get together, as you break it, you remember me what I have done for you. Praise the Lord. Remember. Remember Lord's Supper was instituted as a lasting sacrament. It serves threefold purpose. For we celebrate it in the memory of a departed Jesus. Not only that, it is being celebrated in the company of a Jesus who is present. At the same time, it is also celebrated within the prophecy of the coming Savior. Understand that? As we are here according to the command of the Lord. And as we take part in the table. We are reminded of the three facts. One of the departed Savior. Meaning a Savior who gave himself up for us. Praise the Lord. 
The monuments that are established and erected in this world, it always speaks of someone who has gone ahead of them, who has departed from this world. It is true of Jesus that Jesus came, he lived, and at the appointed time, according to the divine program of an eternal God, that Jesus gave up his life on the cross, and he was he died, was buried, and he was resurrected. But this morning, as you take part in this table, it is a fact that the Christ, the risen, resurrected Savior's presence is here in this house. Praise the Lord. At the same time, the word reminds us that it also shows about the coming Jesus. What a wonderful thing it is. Remember who? Remember Jesus, praise God. Who is Jesus? For many, Jesus is a casual word. For many, Jesus is a religious jargon. For many, Jesus is a curse word. They use it to curse. But who is Jesus? When we come in the presence of God, sit around this table, getting ourselves prepared to stretch our hands towards this table, don't ever forget who Jesus is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Paul says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were made, created through him and for him, and is before all things, and in him all things consist. Wow. Quite often, because we have the table here with us every Sunday, it is possible that we overlook the importance of what this is or who is it that we are remembering. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the prominence. Praise God. Paul writing to the Colossians says, For it pleased the Father that the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Praise God. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to you? Yes, he is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. All these things being true. You cannot discount the fact who Jesus is. He's the Lord. He's the creator. All things were created by him, for him. All things consist because of him. All things were spoken into existence by the power of his word. He holds all things by the power of his word. He is an awesome God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Remember what? Well, remember the extent of his love. Remember what? The extent of his love. Praise God. That is seen on the cross through his suffering and through his death. Remember the extent of his love. As it is seen in the extension of his love. In the expression of his love. In the exhibition of his love. As he reached out to you and to me in love. Praise God. Hallelujah. What kind of love this is? It is a love that has been extended to me. As unworthy as I was. 
Paul says, for God demonstrates his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you see as you sit around the table, the extension of his love, the exhibition of his love, and the expression of his love as it is unveiled on the cross of Calvary. And what does that do to you and to me? It should prompt in me. The love should prompt in me. For if this is a love worth living. It is a love worth emulating. It is a love worth dying. It's a love worth living. It's a love worth emulating. It's a love worth dying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, what did he do? What did he do? Remember. Remembering Jesus, who Jesus is, and what he did for you and to me. I'll borrow the words from the songwriter who pens it very well. He says, he came from heaven to earth, from the earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave. Praise God. How does that song go? Yes, he came from heaven to earth to show the Way from the earth to the cross, my debts were paid. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Praise God. He is worthy to be lifted. He is worthy to be exalted. Even when you are seated around the table, may our thoughts be focused. May our attention be on him who is worthy to be exalted. Hallelujah. And praise for his name is above all other name. Praise God. What did he do? Praise God. Yes, the big step. We all love to take the big step upwards. Jesus took the big step downwards. Bill Hybels has a book called Descending into Greatness, worth reading. If you get time, go check it out. Descending into greatness. You and I only know about ascending into greatness. But Jesus showed something else. He descended into this world when the creator God took the form of creation, came down into this world. Praise God. You and I ought to remember that God took the form of man. He came into this world. The creator God became the creation. The sinless one became sin. Praise God. In him was no sin. 1 John 3, 5. He committed no sin. 1 Peter 2.22. He was without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Praise God. Who is Jesus Praise God. He is the sinless one, the perfect one, the spotless one, the one without blemish. He committed no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. Yet he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, quite often in the rush of things, we tend to overlook who this Jesus is. Praise God. We tend to overlook what he did, how he did, and what he went through for you and for me. Praise God. The sinless one, praise God. He did what? He gave up his life on the cross. Amen. Jesus giving his life on the cross is not equivalent to someone else just simply dying. Why? 
because he is the source of life. Praise God. He is the embodiment of life. He is the one who said, I am the life. So the source of life, the giver of life, the embodiment of life, he laid his life up on the cross so that you and I can become recipients of the eternal life only Christ offers. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. How often we forget that. Hallelujah. The Bible says Jesus tasted death on the cross. Praise God. Hallelujah. Not just simply gave up his life. He tasted death on the cross. Praise God. How clearly, graphically the prophet Isaiah describes it. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows and our grief. And by his chastisement, we, by his stripes, we are Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. Remember what Christ did for you. Praise God. Why is it that we should remember? Praise God. Why should we remember? Simply because we have the potential to forget. Lest we forget. How often we forget things? Don't we forget things? I know men who have forgotten their spouses. Went to shopping, did the shopping, got in the car and moved, just drove home. Forgot about the wife. And I know parents who have forgotten their children. One such parent is mentioned in the Bible. So guys, girls, if you are ever forgotten... Don't take it to heart. Jesus knows how it is. We forget. Human nature, we forget. We forget. There are things that we should forget. And there are things that God forgets about us. Praise God. The Bible says our sins, he, praise God, he remembers it. Praise God wonder what kind of eraser heaven uses. Ever thought about it? What kind of an eraser that is? And when heaven says, forgets, will not use it against you when you do a boo-boo. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He remembers our frame that we are dust. He remembered us in our lowest estate. And this morning, the one who remembered us in our lowest estate requires that we remember him. Otherwise, we will forget. You know, we are so caught up with the gifts that we tend to forget the giver. So absorbed in the gifts, enjoying and cherishing and, and, and experiencing the gift that we tend to forget the giver of the gift. We get so caught up and tackled in the blessings that we forget the one who blessed us. And knowing our nature and our potential to conveniently forget, he said, you do this in remembrance of me. And how easy he has made it. If we would have said, do this in remembrance of me. You got to come to the upper room in Jerusalem. Oh my Lord. Or if we were to say, 
do something, something so, so, so outrageous or something that would cost us so much. No, rather he made it easy for us to remember him by taking part in the table. What does that show you this morning? It shows me that he loves me so much, so much, so much that he wants you and me to remember how much he loves you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Quite often, we get involved and entangled in the ritualistic stuff and tend to forget the love that is exhibited on the cross. Praise God. As you come and sit around the table, your heart should beat with that love beat for Lord Jesus who loved you so much that he laid down his life for you and me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do this in remembrance of me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lest you and I have a potential to forget what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last week we talked about this, so I'm not going to go over there. We just want to move on with what we need to talk about. Praise God. Who should take part in the table? Mm. Who can take part in the table? Who should? The disciples. Praise God. Are we a disciple? I thought it was only those 12, minus one. Or the 500 that met him up on that mountain. In fact, the Great Commission, the mandate placed this, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Huh? Those who believe, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and make them what? Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded. You have to make them disciples. So look at the disciples sitting next to you and say, hello, disciple. Don't be shocked. She is a disciple. Praise God. So the question is, who can take part in the table? Are you eligible? Well, you decide that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 42, when you go home, you can read it. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Who got together to break bread? Those who gladly received his word. Those who gladly, not sadly. Hmm? Those who were forced the word unto them. No. Those who gladly received the word. What was the word? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And those who received that word gladly, they were baptized, and it is those people who, praise God, who were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, meaning they held fast to the teachings of the apostles, and they had fellowship together in the break and in the breaking of bread and prayer. Praise the Lord. So who should take part in the table? Yes? Who should? Come on, church, let's go. Those who are those who are 
Repent, meaning those who are saved, those who have received Jesus into their lives, those who repented of their past sins, those who received Christ as their Savior, those who believe that Jesus died on their behalf on the cross, he was buried and he was resurrected and made him the Lord of their lives, accepted the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus made on behalf of them and received Christ into their life, them. And those who identify themselves in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the believer's baptism. Those who followed the teachings of the apostles, those who had fellowship together, they were the ones who broke the bread. All right, I believe that that's, that's very clear. Okay, let's move on. What does the Lord's table signify? That's derived from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 31. I believe that every one of us knows that verse because we read it, read it Sunday after Sunday. Number one, what does the Lord's table signify? Number one, it reminds us remembrance of the Lord. It reminds us of what? Who? The Lord Jesus. Praise God. This is not about this church. The table is not about a church. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a sect. It is about Lord Jesus. Who he is, what he is, what he has done on our behalf. Praise God. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and many had given thanks. He said, what? Do this in remembrance of me. So the table should remind us of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing, the table is what? It, it reminds us of the suffering and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is it written? In the Gospels. Go home and re read it. The sufferings from Gethsemane to Gabata. From Gabata to Golgotha. From Gethsemane, the place of crushing. Jesus was crushed for us. The prophet says, it pleased the Lord to crush him. Hello. It pleased the Lord to crush him. Why was Jesus crushed on the cross of Calvary? Praise God. He was crushed so that what? The predicament that you and I were in, we were crushed by the weight of sin. We were crushed by the burden of sin. We were crushed because we were deceived of Satan. You see the results of crushing in every realms of mankind. Our spiritual lives were crushed. We had no relationship with God. Our emotional lives were crushed. Our relational lives were crushed. We were crushed in every realms till Jesus came to our rescue and for that he was crushed on the cross of Calvary from Gethsemane the place of being pressed crushed he moved to Gabata the place of judgment praise God from there to the Golgotha the place of skull where he offered himself up on the cross for us suffering Reminds us, the table reminds us of the suffering and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died for me. Praise the Lord. Hey guys, the next thing is, listen. When you come and sit around this table, it reminds us of what? The return of the Lord. Amen. Return of the Lord. Jesus said, do this till I come back. I'm going to come back. Praise God. It reminds us of the coming of the Lord. I don't know whether you get excited when you think about the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is a blessed hope of the church. It should be the blessed hope of every disciple, every follower, everyone who claims to be a Christian. Praise God. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus not only died for me, he was buried and he was resurrected on the third day. He ascended up to heaven and what is he doing up there, anybody? Wow. I don't know what you make out of that. 
here, he came down here, he died for me. And he rose again, he went up there and he's still what? Jesus is interceding for you and for me. He's standing the gap for you and for me. He's that mediator. He's that advocate who talks to the Father on behalf of me. What do you think when we come around the table? We ponder on the suffering and the death of Christ. But the table also reminds us that Jesus is going to come back. Praise God. He's interceding for you and for me. And one day he shall return from heaven for what? For me. Praise the Lord. Amen. John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 3, 2. And this is what he says. Folks, it's not yet been revealed. What we shall be, but when he shall come, we shall see him as he is, for we shall become like him. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I don't see you, I don't see him in you yet, but one day you're going to look like Jesus. And if, if your neighbor dares to tell you, how come you haven't seen Jesus in me yet? That's between you and the neighbor. Finish it off. You and I are going to become like him. Hello. We're going to become like him. Oh, I don't know. What's the picture that goes through your mind when you say, you and I are going to become like him? Long hair. Long beard. Huh? We're going to become like him. We're going to become like him. Long hair. Oh, you guys might match already. You guys already have long hair. Long beard. No. That's not what we're talking about, right? What does it mean when you're going to become like him? Praise God. Like his glory. Man, here I've seen people who have named Glory. I thank the Lord for the glory, but one day you and I are going to be glowing like him. Praise the Lord. For the Bible says, we shall become like him. The table should remind me that Jesus is going to come for me. And when he comes for me, I'm going to become. Isn't that lovely? Praise the Lord. I don't know about you. Praise God. But I think that's awesome. This is how a theologian puts it. He says, the Lord's Supper is the link between his two comings. Check it out. The Lord's coming is a link between his two comings. The Lord's Supper is the link between his two comings. One, the monument. The other, the pledge of his coming. Praise the Lord. As we stand here, and as the bread and the wine passes by you, praise God. It reminds us that Jesus came for me. To make me who was unworthy, worthy. And it reminds me that one day he will come, and I will become like him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Shall we move on? Praise God. Yes, what else does it remind us? It reminds us that we have fellowship with the Lord. We have what? Fellowship with the Lord. I like it how, how Koshiwadin puts it. He says, fellowship is not two fellows on a ship. Neither is it two fellows sharing a sheep. If that's not what it is, what is Fellowship. What is fellowship? Praise God. Hmm? What is fellowship? We have fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Praise God. We have commune, communion with the Lord 
Jesus. I think this church is familiar with the word fellowship because we have lots of people who are doing their fellowship. I had a friend of mine who was doing his fellowship, and I asked him all the time, Brother, how's the fellowship? He told me it's tough. I said, I was not asking about that fellowship. I was asking about the fellowship with the Son, Jesus, and with God the Father. Praise God. Hallelujah. As we take part from the bread, as we take part from the wine, praise God. It is symbolic of the body which was broken on our behalf and the blood which was shed on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. We have fellowship with the Lord who is not died and decayed, but one who is a resurrected Savior. And as I reach my hands towards the element on this table, by faith I reach out to a risen, resurrected Savior. I am entering into a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have fellowship with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hmm. It's not just fellowship with the Lord. It's fellowship with who? With one another. Praise the Lord. It's fellowship with one another. As the bread is passed on, as the bread that is being blessed, given thanks, and broken, and it is passed by, and as you reach out to that broken bread, and you break out of it, as you're taking part of it, you are saying that we are one. As there is one loaf on the table, we who are many are one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. As that bread passes from one hand to the other hand, it shows that we have fellowship with each other. And the practical aspect of fellowship is that we are in each other's life. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are there for each other. We are there to support each other. We are there to encourage each other. First, the fellowship is with the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship with each other. Amen. Praise the Lord. What else does it remind us? It reminds us of the preview of a coming attraction. Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, Jesus said, praise God, he gives a preview of the coming attraction. You know what's the preview of the coming attraction? It's a royal banquet that's going to take place. Jesus has said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have the fruit of the wine till in that day and that kingdom. Praise God. That means it shows about a royal banquet that the Lord is preparing where all of us will be part of it. Praise God. It ain't going to be like any other banquet that you have ever been to. Neither can you and I imagine what it is going to be like. It's a preview of the coming attraction. Amen. Praise God. One more thing. What does the Lord's table signify? It signifies what? That we experience Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 6, 57, One who feeds on me will live because of, because of, what does that mean, one who feeds on me? Huh? One who feeds on me. Hmm? Yes? One who eats of my flesh shall live because of me. Oh, man. That has brought so much confusion in the body of Christ. We need to understand the bodies of Christ as the Bible tells us. And we're going to quick look into that. Three bodies, understanding the three bodies in the scripture of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many bodies? 
How many bodies? How many bodies does the Lord have? Oh boy, are we in trouble. I'll make it very easy, but it's, it's very important that we understand because it's a teaching about the, the Lord's table. Three bodies, as it is mentioned in the scripture. Number one is the personal body of Jesus Christ or the physical body of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand this is, I want you to come with me for just a few more minutes, okay? The personal or the physical body of Jesus Christ. The personal or the physical body of Jesus Christ is a very unique body. All right. This is how the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verse 5 to 7. Therefore, listen, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With bond offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So number one, the personal body of Jesus is a very special, unique body. It is what? It is a prepared Hallelujah. It's very important that we understand this truth. And it is on this body, praise God, sin was judged on the cross. Sin was condemned on the cross on this body. Paul writes it in Romans chapter 8 verse 3. For what the law could not do it in that it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not in sinful flesh. In the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus did no sin. Jesus committed no sin. He was tempted just as you and I are tempted. Yet the Bible says he was without sin. Qualifying him to take your sin and my sin upon him. Hallelujah. So Jesus said one who feeds on me will live because of me. We need to understand the bodies of Christ. Number one is this personal, physical body where sin, the sin was condemned in the flesh. Number two is the mystical body that the Bible talks about. You know what the mystical body is? The mystical body is simply as it is written in Ephesians 1, 23, not 21, 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fulfills all in all. It is talking about the body of Christ, the universal church of Jesus Christ, is referred to as the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is the body. And every member, as if it is different organs, different parts in a body. So the second body that the Bible talks about is the mystical body. The first body is what? Okay, it is a physical, personal body. It's upon that body that he took. The sins of mankind. Sin was condemned in flesh. Praise God. Jesus was without sin. And he took the sins of mankind upon himself. Number two is the mystical body of Christ, which is the church of Jesus Christ, the universal church of Jesus Christ. The third one is the body that you and I need to know, which is written in Matthew 26, 26. I want somebody to read that. Hmm. Quick. Matthew 26, 26. How hard could it be? The third body is the symbolic body of Christ. Hmm. Here, look at this picture. They were all seated together. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, Take, eat, 
this is my body which is broken for you. So, the disciples, did they eat part of his body or did they eat the bread? Yes. What did they eat? The bread. So it is talking about the symbolic body. Okay? So the bread on the table, the wine on the table, is it really is symbolic of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus which was shed on our behalf. So now don't let anybody come. There are different teachings out there for different churches. Some churches believe that, that well, you know, they believe in transubstantiation. Transubstantiation means that the bread and the wine on the table, it is actually the body, the physical body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus on the table. That's what transubstantiation means. That is what some churches prescribe. Some other churches, they prescribe, they believe in consubstantiation. They believe that in the bread, with the bread, under the bread, in the wine, with the wine, under the wine, is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's not what Jesus said. When Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, he was physically present with his disciples and he was talking about the symbolic body, the bread that was being broken. So this morning as his bread is being broken, this is a symbolic body of Jesus. So when Jesus said, one who feeds on me, lives off me, it means one who enters into that intimate relationship. One who enters into that communion with him. One who enters into that relationship with that word in him. He is feeding on Jesus. Hallelujah. The church said, if you have any doubts, please feel free to come and ask after the church. I would love to talk to you. Now, this is very important that we never exalt the shadow over the substance. This is the shadow. Praise God. Nor do we exalt the type over the reality. We understand what it is. Okay. Now I'm going to conclude this with something that everybody likes. Amen? Hello? What is it that we all like? What is it that we all like? Talk about bonus, Pastor. Talk about perks, Pastor. Blessing, man. Blessing and benefits. Quick, we're going to wrap it up here. I don't want to use another Sunday to, to go with this teaching, so we're going to conclude with this. Number one. There is blessing and benefits attached to this. Okay. What are they? Hmm? Number one, the Bible says, this is a cup of blessing. The cup of blessing that we give, that we bless, that's how Jesus said. That's how it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Is this not the cup? Of thanksgiving that we give thanks for. Is this not the cup of blessing that we bless? Praise God. Meaning that we give thanks. So there is a blessing. Tell your neighbor. Neighbor, you are blessed. You are blessed. There is a blessing associated. There is a blessing associated with what? With this cup of blessing. Is this not the cup of blessing that? Paul didn't say, I give thanks. He said, what? We. So guys, when the pastor picks up the bread and says, we're going to give thanks, we are going to give thanks. Why? Not because you're doing a favor for the pastor. You are remembering Jesus. And you are saying, thank you. Hallelujah. It is a tremendous blessing to take part from the cup of Blessing. Hello. What kind of a blessing it is to take part from the cup of blessing. As you bring the cup to your mouth. As you're reminded of the death of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. You ought to be reminded of all the blessings that we have appropriated through Jesus Christ and we made it ours. It's because of him. This is a cup of blessing that we give 
things for. Amen. What else? Praise God. It's not only the cup of blessing. It is also what? The Bible says we need to do what? Examine ourselves. Last week I said it's so good. The Lord is so nice man. In, in his wisdom, he said, we can examine ourselves. Can you believe he, he gave the right for your neighbor to examine yourself? To you examine you or me? Or your parents were examining you? I don't know how many of your parents go through your children's bag. Backpack. Uh-oh. Did I give some idea to somebody? Examining ourselves. Ourselves. Examine ourselves. What does it produce? It produces within us an in-depth purification. Isn't that cool? When we examine ourselves, we get a chance to clean ourselves up. How many of you guys cleaned yourself up this morning? This is not talking about no physical cleaning. It's talking about uh, spiritual Cleaning. Are you guys in a rush to go home? Yeah? Or talking about cleaning? Praise God. An in-depth cleaning. Okay, let's move on. Okay? Examine our own hearts. Judge our sins. Confess them to the Lord. It is a serious thing to come to the communion with an unprepared heart and take part in the table in a careless manner. Please don't do that. Don't be texting. Don't be on Facebook when you are taking part in the table. Please don't do that. Think about him who loved you. Praise God. I know some of you guys are sending love messages through the text. And we're talking about loving Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Lord's Supper gives us an opportunity for spiritual growth and blessings if we approach it in the right attitude. That's very important. And here it is. It reminds us of the coming of Jesus. What does that do? It does, it builds up hope within me. If anybody of you feeling a little hopeless this morning, think about the coming of Jesus. That should prompt hope within you. All right, here I'm done. Praise the Lord. In a little church in Germany, there stands a little lamb. Made carved out of stone as a memorial. It was erected there by a workman who was working on the roof of the church. As he was working on the roof of the church, the man slipped and he went down, tumbling down from the roof. His co workers who were working with him, they all ran downstairs and to, to find him dead because he was up all the way up on the steeple. They all ran up, ran to where he had fallen and found the man was intact because even though he fell from a big height, he had fallen on a grazing sheep, on a grazing lamb, and the lamb was crushed on his behalf. So the workman was so full of gratitude. He erected a lamb made of stone and put it in the entrance of the church, reminding him that the lamb had died on his behalf. It was an accident. The lamb of God died for you and for me. That was not an accident. Praise God. That was not an accident. John the Baptist cried out saying when he saw Jesus behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. People who heard they probably thought here comes the Lamb Jesus who was presented as the Lamb of God. But there is another John in the Bible. is John the Revelator. He was caught up to heaven and he saw the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundations of the world. Praise God. The death of Jesus was not an accident. 
The blood of Jesus was not accidentally spilled. Like you spill milk on the table. The blood of Jesus was shed for you and for me. Purposely it was shed on the cross because there was no other way you and I could have been saved. Jesus, the Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundations of the world, was manifested and presented to the world at the fullness of time. John the Revelator sees into the future and he sees a worship that is going on throughout eternity. And that is recorded in the Bible. And this is how it goes. It's a song that they will sing throughout eternity. Revelation 5.12 talks about the song. Praise God. Folks, long after you and I will, hallelujah, reach eternity. And you and I look like Jesus. Hallelujah. Glorious. I want to give you a preview of the song that you and I will sing. As it is heard in heaven throughout eternity. This is how the song goes. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing for evermore don't come to this table carelessly and unprepared praise God it talks about the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundations of the world it talks about the Lamb of God that you and I will be bragging throughout all eternity. Worthy is a lamb that was slain on my behalf to receive glory and honor. All eyes closed. Praise God. As we prepare our souls for the table. Praise God. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Praise God. The spotless, the blemish-free, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. He offered his life on the cross of Calvary. Praise God. Hallelujah. It was not an accident. Praise God. It was purposed. It was planned in the mind of God. This morning as we reach our hands towards this table, praise God. May our hearts leap up with joy and love that has been extended to us. Love that is experienced in our lives. Love that is exhibited on the cross of Calvary. Do you experience that love in your heart this morning? It's love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's that kind of love. Love worth living. Love worth emulating. Love worth dying for. Praise God. My Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. We remember Jesus our Savior, our Redeemer, who suffered and who died on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. Lord, the penalty that I should have incurred, we should have incurred, you took it upon yourself. Praise God. Jesus, you became our substitute instead of me, Christ, on the cross. Father, be grateful to you. We are grateful to you this morning. We are grateful to you, Father, for remembering us in our lowest estate, scooping us out of where we were, placing up in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Praise God. Nobody has done that. Nobody would do it, but you did it for us. Father, sprinkle the blood of Jesus, cleanse us. 
in our walk, in our talk, in our code of conduct, in our behavior, in our attitude, knowingly, unknowingly. If we, are, we have offended you, Father, in our relationship with our fellow brethren, Father, if there is strain, this, this morning we pray that grace be granted that we get right with you and with each other. Sprinkle the blood of Jesus, cleanse us as we stretch our hands towards this table. May this be a blessing in our life. In Jesus' name we pray.